Welcome to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and practice leaders, hosted by Cheryl Toth and Mike Sakopoulos, and produced by Green Branch Publishing. Hey there, Tothy, and welcome to the podcast, everyone. I hope that you're enjoying some spring temperatures where you are. Uh, spring has definitely arrived here in Terre Haute, Indiana, along with the little showers, uh, but you know, those will result in wildflowers, so all good. How are things in Arizona, Tothy? Well, Mike, here in Arizona, we don't have rain. We have uh, temperatures already in the high 80s. But what makes me even happier than warmer days is longer days. Longer, more light. Oh, that is, that's so true, right? I mean, the extra daylight really um, uplifts spirits, for sure. Yeah, and for me, they re-energize me to increase my running miles. Because in the winter, it's so hard to lace up my shoes and get out there in the cold and the dark. I'm a happier runner when it's just a bit warmer and lighter until, of course, summer hits here in the desert. And then I'm back, in, back to running at zero dark 30 before the sun comes up because it's like 95 degrees at 4 a.m. So that's not Well, you know, some of us uh, have trouble lacing up shoes any season of the year. <laughs> um, but, Tothi, today we're talking about uh, a different topic, coaching. And it's a term that we hear bandied around a lot and written about as ways to cultivate leadership, but mostly in other industries, right? Not so much in healthcare. Mm -hmm. In healthcare and especially uh, physician uh, practices, it's not really well known or, or understood. But look, that's changing, right? So we thought this would be a good topic for a podcast. We would talk about what coaching is, how it works, and why it's a valuable thing for managers, supervisors, and physician leaders too. Yeah, we've had several guests um, on the podcast who do various types of coaching, like we had Tracy Spears talk about leadership coaching, and Marlene Chisholm was here telling, uh, talking about managers and how, they, how managers can deal with drama and culture change. But we never dug into co coaching in terms of what it is, you know, in any detail. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. So that's, that's why I thought this would be a good topic and that you'd be the perfect choice for laying out information, uh, Tothi, because one of the hats uh, you wear with clients is the hat of a management coach, right? Let's, yeah. uh, tell me a little bit about that. Okay. Well, that's true. I do high performance coaching and new manager coaching, and I support managers in various areas like um, how to set priorities when everything on the list seems important, um, setting goals, handling big change like uh, when there's a merger or an acquisition or, for example, a move to a building that includes doubling your staff as you Ooh, know, yeah. so much change. Um, so there's like team building and stuff in that. Um, I, I help people clarify and set their goals and vision um, around uh, you know, practice strategy, things like that, and resolve conflict. And um, I, I think a big part of what it all includes is imagining problems and practice growth from a new perspective. And that is a great way to kick off our conversation into coaching because that's a lot of what coaching is about, getting people to imagine issues in a new way with more possibilities than they may have thought previously. Okay, very cool. So I'm looking forward to, to learning more about this. Admittedly, I, I, I don't know much. Um, tell me more. Well, I'm looking forward to talking with you too about this, but wait, we have to do something first, which is before we launch into coaching, I picked a lovely little word of the show for us today. Oh, here we go. My turn. 
<laughs> oh, good. Favorite part of the show. Play it on me, Tothi. Yes. Well, today's word, Mike, is champion. And I'm not talking about champion in the context of a winner who has defeated all rivals, which that was a kind of interesting first definition <laughs> when I looked at Merriam-Webster. Um, but the runner in me does feel a certain kinship with that first definition, I have to admit. Well, well, look, I can see how that would be for you, uh, Tothi. I know you've got lots of enthusiasm for, for racing. Yes, I do love to race. That's true. In fact, um, well, I just registered for the Charlotte Half Marathon, in fact, last week. But hey, I digress. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It's always good to register for a race. It means you're committed. Um, mm. So for today's word, champion, I'm using it in the context of the second definition, which is a person who fights or argues for a cause for or on behalf of someone else, an advocate, proponent, promoter, or supporter. And I think this definition kicks off our conversation about coaching really well, because as we'll discuss, one of the things about coaching is it provides people with someone who champions for their success, an advocate that helps them grow as a person and a manager. Okay. I, I see this word. Okay. Uh, someone who supports you and is in your, your corner, kind of like the, the cheerleader. And you know what, Coach uh, Tothi, I, I have always wanted the, the guy that comes in uh, with the professional boxer that's behind him, giving the verbal support, giving the, you're the greatest, you're the best the world's ever <laughs> seen kind of guy. Uh, so I, I, I'm on board with this. Good, good. word. Good, 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 good. Um, All right. Well, well chosen uh, for today. And I think many practice leaders really feel alone in their role, right? Many of them could, mm -hmm. could use a, a champion. And perhaps a coach is somebody who can, can help with that and, and do that. Accurate documentation is essential to reimbursement and compliance. Poor documentation can be a cause of inaccurate code selection, deny claims, and payer takebacks. To help you understand these risks and how to avoid them, we talked with nationally recognized consultant, coding educator, and author of Green Branch Publishing's Field Guide to Physician Coding, Betsy Nicoletti. Don't miss the next episode of Sound Practice when I interview Betsy for her do's and don'ts of physician documentation. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let me ask you, Tothi, what is, what, what is coaching? I, I, I feel completely um, ignorant on this. Um, is it like having a running or sports coach, you know, the, the high school gym with the, the coach with the, the high socks pulled up to their knees, or is it something <laughs> like totally different? So here, I'm going to read the definition to you, Mike. Um, it is different. Coaching is a solution-focused process. We're going to talk a little bit about solution-focused and what that means, but it's a process that uses questions and tools to challenge assumptions, explore new ways of thinking, and achieve professional and personal growth. That is the definition that, that I typically use. And coaching is really different than managing, where you, do, where you assign or direct monitor, discipline your people. It's a, it's a method for unlocking new ways of thinking, like I said, and motivating people intrinsically by getting them to think differently. And you do that through this process of asking questions and using certain techniques. And all of this is what I would call part of professional development, right? So not, mm. um, 
management training, if you will. And sometimes it's done in coordination with creating an employee development plan or manager development plan. So you lay out a plan to really build the manager's strengths and help them grow in their role um, so they can improve performance and build their teams. But not always. Sometimes coaching is just coaching. I mean, somebody needs coaching. Like I mentioned, um, there's a big change going on. Maybe the team doubled in size. And, um, and then you do a, a set of sessions. And, uh, and, and it can work that way, too. Okay. So th this sounds like a bit of, of, of life coaching, but, but really more for work or, or professional uh, career. And I hear that term sometimes used, and I really don't know what, what life coaching uh, means. It, coaching people to live better sounds kind of woo-woo, Oprah, check under your seat, you got a book, woo-hoo. Am I, am I off here? Well, the truth is, Mike, that there are many different types of coaching. And yeah, you know, Oprah always says, live your le best life, right? All of us could probably mm -hmm. do with a little help in that area, which is why Oprah has been so successful. Or Tony Robbins, you know, people think of him. Um, so life coaching is one type. Management coaching is another. Um, like I said, there's, you know, different types. So there's, I, I, there's health coaching, there's executive coaching, there's sales coaching, there's um, wellness coaching. Um, there are a lot of different types, types of coaching that people can access. And they focus on different specific needs, but some of the foundations are the same. And one of those, and this is big, is that there's nothing wrong with the client. Um, that when you do coaching, the client is not perceived as having a flaw. Coaching is about growth and development and not, um, and, and it's about personal improvement starting where you are today. It's, it's not pathology, right? So like if you have somebody who truly has some pathology, coaching is not the right solution for them. No, that, that's the uh, bring in the team of Austrians kind of problem, <laughs> right? So the, I, I, I got you. And we're, we're not talking about uh, disciplinary uh, counseling that a manage, manager would do for someone that's, that's just not doing a good job at the practice or it's just not working out. Um, you wouldn't engage a coach for uh, a practice leader uh, who has a disciplinary problem, correct? That's right. And it's a really important distinction um, because a coach is not going to write you up for doing something bad because they come at performance improvement from a totally different perspective. Um, but if the practice or company is paying for the coaching service, the coach may summarize a few agreed upon actions or outcomes from each session to show progression and, you know, mm -hmm. what, what effect the coaching is have, having and what the employee is doing. But we do that without divulging any kind of confidence of course, um, because you have to maintain confidentiality or there's, there's a breach of trust and that's no good. Sure. I can, I can see that that that's gotta be essential, right? You gotta have that. Yeah. And here's something else, Mike, coaching is not training. And I think that's important to, to, to explain because I often hear people talk about training and coaching kind of in the same breath, or some companies say they provide coaching after they've done some training. And while it may, it may be true that a trainer provides refreshers and um, coaches somebody to say, I don't know, like if, if it's a software, you know, like practice management software or EHR, <clears throat> after official formal training, they have people that can coach you to use it better. That's not the type of training that we're talking about today. Okay. So not managing uh, or training, both of which in my mind kind of uh, connote working with some kind of uh, subject matter 
uh, expert, right? Mm -hmm. Your manager right. knows more, <laughs> at least in theory, um, <laughs> than, than you do and that the manager and, and, and trainer have some kind of particular expert, uh, expertise that they are trying to um, uh, put into, uh, into people, right? That's right. not and what we're after today. Correct. That's another a difference is this coaching doesn't come from an expert model. It's a collaborative process and the coachee is really the driver. So it's, it's also not consulting, you know, where you have a subject matter expert, like you say, come in and they assess and recommend ways to do things better. Again, that's an expert model. Basically a good coach guides people to search for solutions for themselves. And that can be through accessing, accessing their own inner wisdom, or it can be through being exposed to new ideas um, through the sessions or readings or um, just sort of aha mm -hmm. moments that, that you mm -hmm. have when you do these techniques. And all of that is, is structured to then help the um, coachee take action and make positive change. And by the way, there's always an action plan after each session. That's why I like the coaching philosophy of solution focused. Because as you know, Mike, I'm a do something kind of person. Remember? I remember that, you know, I, I have Absolutely. this, I have this goal to run a half marathon in all 50 states before I croak. So, you know, I'm a doer. So, okay. So that is clearly not what a couch potato or, or slacker would uh, say. So, so yes. Okay. Uh, it's, this is for doers, people that want to accomplish things and move forward, right? That's right. And I think that, um, in business, uh, and especially in practices, you know, physicians want to see action and they, they like to see their managers improving and, and taking action. And so that's why I like this idea of solution-focused coaching. It's not just about exploring positive, you know, aspects of things. It's really about using that to change behavior, to take action and to improve performance and confidence and things like that. So, so that's why I help people set SMART goals. You know, that's that acronym. I think a lot of our listeners probably know specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, timely, and tangible goals. And at the end of each coaching session, the coachee commits to doing, taking some steps to move things forward. These can be big, they can be small, but they have to be specific and relevant to what we address during the session. And, and of course, achievable, like you, you can't say that a a goal at the end of a session is to create a strategic plan in one week. You know, that's just not hmm. achievable. It's not, it's not realistic. Um, but they can think about small, small steps, like making sure they get a full night's sleep every night or registering for a local MGMA chapter's next meeting to like, you know, get them to interact with local and state um, colleagues and doing a better job networking. Um, it also could be something like uh, purchasing a, a book like the effective executive or the growth mindset, two books I really like and reading the first two chapters. So things are they're They're specific, they're achievable, they're relevant to what we talked about and, and timely. Okay. Sleep, huh? A full night's sleep, uh, sleep achievable. Mm, maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe more difficult for some of us than, uh, than others, but, uh, but I certainly take your, take your point here. Yes. It sounds like this might be a shift in mindset for, for listeners or, or people like me who were <clears throat> thinking that coaching, uh, will show them the way, tell them what to do, uh, say, here's the, the to-do list, um, 
prescribed and just go go do it that the coach knows best screaming in the uh the play from the sideline uh, for you to execute yeah Not what that, we're talking about right right that's a great point you're right and once people make that shift in realizing that it's not an expert telling them what to do they are amazed at the conclusions that they come to and the insights that they have during sessions and um and i think it's often the type of questions that we ask as coaches they really get people to think differently. And we also use techniques like visioning and wheels and time shifts, hmm. techniques that move people away from a duality approach where they're thinking just pro, con, black, white, right, wrong, you know, which is sort of typical. I mean, my background is MBA. I come from a business background. <clears throat> you know, we were taught to analyze things and look at a pro and con list. Uh, coaching is meant to give people access to a broader set of solutions and then choose the actions that fit best and help them move toward, toward success. And so it's, it's a more of a process of helping people see possibilities and move to a different perspective and out of that good, bad, black, white. Uh, so what we're doing in coaching is, you know, kind of from a scientific standpoint is you, you're taking people from the limbic part of their brain, the older part of the brain, which is, um, more linear thinking and more analytical thinking, moving them to the neocortex, which is the part of the brain that allows imagination and, and the ability to see things from multiple perspectives. Really the, the creative portion of the brain, right? You, you're getting into some, uh, some really good neurobiology here. Uh, very cool. Yeah. And well, I like that too. That's one of the fascinations I had with coaching when I learned more about it and took training. And I'll never forget one client that I had. We were, we were using this thing called a coaching wheel. It looks like you draw like something that kind of looks like a pizza um, mm -hmm. and with like six slices, if you will, maybe eight and, and use it for all different things. But with her, we'd laid out the barriers that she felt in the way were in the way of her launching a new service line. And I had it on a whiteboard and <clears throat> we were talking through all these areas what and we were trying to figure out why was she so stuck and why couldn't she take the first step and all of a sudden this light bulb went on when she looked at it visually and saw what percentage of each slice of that pizza she felt satisfied which and satisfied with for each barrier and it just was like all of a sudden she saw the one thing she had to do that that was like the first domino that needed to fall if you will wow. and that would make everything else fall into place um, and her whole face changed in that moment of clarity. That's the kind of work yeah. co coaching makes you do. Yeah. Very, very cool. But, but okay, th this raises, you, you mentioned the, the, the whiteboard. Are we talking about an in-person experience with Coach Coachee? Does this have to be done face-to-face? Uh, um, well, it, we were face to face cause she happened to be local, but honestly it, it doesn't have to be. And I hardly ever do it in person. And I, I actually prefer the phone that way people don't have to worry about what they look like or, or what they're, mm. you know, they have to fidget with their, with their shirt or whatever while they're, you know, sometimes you're in a meeting right. and you kind of, you're, you're self-conscious. They can dig deeper into, in their discussion. They can kind of lose themselves in the conversation. And that's kind of what we want in coaching. We want people to really be comfortable. And some people even close their eyes. Um, they doodle. Uh, I encourage that, in fact, um, especially for kinetic learners. Um, and, and this can help people dig deeper, like I said, and, and, 
and, and come to clarity without worrying about uh, what the other, what I am looking at them and seeing. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, a- a- absolutely. And so tell me about frequency of, of sessions. Is this something that people do quarterly or monthly, uh, weekly, on the half hour? How, how frequently are we doing this? We, I usually do them every other week because uh, uh-huh. business people are busy and they're usually so stretched. So they, they often need two weeks to integrate uh, the action steps we talked about, those SMART goals, and, and take action or, you know, kind of let sink in what they discovered in their session. Um, so like if, if one of the actions is, is uh, scheduling a meeting to talk with their team about, th- this was one recently, about how to fill the, fill the med spa schedule and they want to set goals around that, that takes time to schedule the meeting and have the meeting. And, and so that's why I like every other week, because a lot of these things take time to accomplish the, the actions. Um, some steps, though, I don't want to give listeners the, the impression that all the steps, action steps are huge, because some things take just a bit of time. For example, I was in a session with, with somebody recently, and, and he was having trouble delegating to people and getting them to actually take action. So I did a time shift technique with him and we, we, I took him back to a time when he delegated and it really worked effectively. And then we, we walked through all the steps of how we did that. And, and it got him to realize that he really did. It was like textbook what he had done in terms of successful delegation. And then he realized, Oh, you know, I haven't been doing it that way lately. Maybe that's why people aren't, following through and do what, doing what they're supposed to do. So, so his action step was write out the seven things that you used to do and that are the right ways to delegate effectively. And I even suggested he laminate it, you know, like this little framework of his own personal framework for being successful at delegation. So that's a, that's a, a simpler thing than having a meeting and having a brainstorming, but still it's a smart goal. You know, I go back to has to be, um, you know, specific, measurable, realistic, and timely and relevant. Wait, wait, hold on a second here, Tothi. I think that you just um, passed out a, a pearl of wisdom to our listeners, a, a real coaching tip, correct? Oh, I think uh, I did. About time <laughs> when, when, when things went well and analyzing uh, what you did and applying applying it to, to situations that are, are not working well. Yeah. So I, in my case, I think back to like, 1987 or something when, when something went well. Um, but great, I mean, a great idea though. I, I like this for all, all jokes aside, very, uh, very useful. Good. Well, and I'm glad that I could be helpful. Um, Cause yeah, I think I did just give them a tip and, and, and again, it's about these ways of questioning too. So when we went back to 1987 in your case, when you did something well, um, you know, you, you say, not only tell me about a time when you did that thing well, but when was that and what was going on in the practice at that time and who was there and what was the atmosphere like in the practice and who were you then? And you really get them to get the whole picture and, and it's amazing what they see. Um, I, you know, I'm thinking about another example where uh, this person, she had an epiphany when we talked about this. Uh, she was struggling with, just being really unhappy in her job. And we were talking about a time when she loved her job and when things were good and what was she doing and what was life like? And all of a sudden she just, she just said, Oh my God, I was playing my harp. 
consistently back then. It brought me so much joy. And she said, I don't play the harp anymore. And I hate that I don't play in the harp. I need to play my harp. And so one of her action steps was set a goal of playing the harp three days a week and no pressure with how much time you play the harp. Because what she had realized is she stopped playing the harp um, because she didn't feel like she had time. So she just cut it out altogether. And that wasn't good. Okay, that, that I have to say is a very interesting uh, story. And it occurs to me that it's probably less about the harp. And look, I don't want to diminish how interesting harps are because you don't hear about them every day. But, but <laughs> right. less about the harp um, having anything to do with, with business or, uh, or, or practice management and, and really more about her personal happiness, right, and how that impacts uh, job performance. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, this is an example of, of how you start to see that coaching is different than managing or training or consulting because it's about professional and personal growth. Because even if the coaching is intended to help, you know, the goal is to set goals, to, the goal is to set goals and to uh, prioritize better or build your team. Coaching is addressing more than just that at the surface. It's a whole person approach. And so health, wellness, recreation, passion projects, they all play a role in the way we behave at work and the actions that people hmm. take. So for this client, like you said, playing the harp, it doesn't seem like it had anything to do with it, but it was part of her wellness and her joy. So when she didn't have that anymore, it just made her unhappy. That started creeping into her work life. She felt less fulfilled overall and that made her less effective at work. So, so changing that just, it improved her performance at work. That was great. Okay. So this is, that was a great example. I'm starting to get some, some clarity. The, um, the fog and, and cobwebs in my mind are, are, are clearing away. And I see where, I, th I think I see where you're, you're headed, um, headed on this. Good. Well, I'm glad. And let me share just a few other quick points about the philosophy of coaching as we talk about what coaching is and isn't. Um, there is no judgment in coaching. That's really important to note. The, uh, the coach is a neutral, the, the coach is Switzerland. <laughs> you know, let's, <laughs> we are neutral. Everyone is starting where they are. I don't rehash old baggage and he said, she said gossip and all that. No, it's about what's happening now with the client. And another important thing is the client is always accountable for their own actions and success. So as a coachee, it's up to you. I, I can't force you to do anything. I can't fix you. Um, if you don't take action, it's on you. I can't make you do something. So that might be a little different than say a sports coach who sometimes is a little more forceful and can tell you to do something or make you do something. Right, right. We can all think of the sports coach screaming, no pain, no gain. You got to want it, things like yeah, that. Yeah, that right. this, this, sound, this sounds much more um, not only um, productive, but um, I I enjoyable as well. Yep. Um, and I can't stress enough that uh, the champion part of coaching is important, you know, to bring back our word of the day. Um, I found that so often one of the biggest benefits people get from co our coaching sessions is they have somebody that just is in their corner and simply listens. Um, and when I say back to them what they've shared, I often hear them say to me, well, gosh, now that I hear you say that, you're right. Why am I doing this? Why am I continuing this behavior you know, and, and the other thing, you know, in terms of like the champion aspect is that people tell me that 
one of the biggest values they get is, is building confidence. Um, mm-hmm. I really can't underestimate that because with confidence, you know, when you think about you build people's confidence, you give them a strong platform on which to then do everything else. Um, and sometimes you just need that a champion to tell you you're doing the right things. And it, it's hard to know that on your own, especially in a physician office, right? Yeah. Well, okay. There's a very important uh, point. And I think one that our, our listeners can, can relate to. Uh, many managers out there don't have a harp or a sounding board, right? <laughs> e- e- either one. And, and, and all jokes aside, it can be lonely. Um, you can't really discuss things with, with staff that you're, you're overseeing. Physicians are, are busy in the OR, or the, the exam room, and um, you're really kind of on your own trying to figure these things out. So I could see where a coach would be um, incredibly uh, beneficial for, uh, for someone in that, um, uh, that position. So this this is all, frankly, kind of kind of new for me, and and I'm curious, Tothi, how did you become interested in this? Where where did it come from in the first place? Well, um, I about ten years ago, I was kind of having my own career crisis, and I was really unhappy. And I was living in California at the time. I'd I'd read a book called Accomplishing More by Doing Less. Don't you hmm, love I love that title. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I was reading this book because I was doing all this exploration to make myself happy and figure out my life. And um, and it was written by a guy by the name of Mark Lesser. He is a Zen Buddhist priest. And so it was a really good book for dealing with stress and being overwhelmed. And it was from a Buddhist perspective. The whole premise is that if you edit your life down, you'll focus more and be present and actually get more done you know, distractions are so much of what keep us from being productive, as you know. Well, well, sure. And as, as humans, we're really stuck trying to, to multitask. Um, but we think we're, we're good at multitasking. But from what I've read for human brain, it's really impossible to do yeah. uh, two, two or more things at once, right? You're always switching back and forth. And that, that transition, that switching just kills productivity. Yeah, Wouldn't and actually... Yeah, I find myself in my coaching talking a lot about that, about, you know, when people want to be more productive, different strategies for doing that. But one of them is to do less, to focus in, to edit out, you know, what are the things that you can, that aren't serving you anymore or that somebody else could do so that you really can get clarity around um, the things that are important as a manager. And, and you know, those are the things you should be spending your time on. So um, clarity is big for me. And, and here's why. So let me go back to Mark. Um, I, you know, I read his book and I saw that he did coaching. And I also liked that he had an MBA in addition to a Zen. He was, a, he was really interesting. Wow. Guy. He's a Buddhist. Um, he ran the San Francisco Zen center and he ran a green Gulch farm. If anybody knows about, you know, that, that's a pretty famous place in Marin County. And um, he had, before he went back to Buddhism, he had built a company called Brush Dance, which created stationery and products using calligraphy. So his principles in the book and for his coaching was Zen Buddhism plus business. And this was a, I felt a perfect fit for me at that time. So I hired him for coaching and, and I saw the benefits immediately and, and really they were clarity. So that's the point I'm making is this, you know, refine, focus, remove distractions, so clarity, 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 that was his mantra for me, you know, how to cut through all the crap and what did I really want to do? What did I want for myself and how could I make more mindful choices? So 
that's where I really saw the benefits of coaching and it changed me so much. Um, Mark, by the way, was the first spirituality coach at Google and the first CEO of Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute, which he's no longer leading that. He's now back to writing and, um, and, and speaking. And he just, I'm just about to start his latest book, which is called Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader. So, so yes, yeah, so that's my story about how I found coaching. I, I have two, two observations here, Tothi. One is um, Mark seems to have accomplished more in just a few years than many of us could in multiple lifetimes. And two, you go to the uh, the top of the list of coolest friends that I have. <laughs> Somebody that has a Zen priest as a coach is, um, look, we don't get that much here in Terre Haute. Very impressive. Uh, very, very cool. And I'm glad that it was, it was so, so productive for you. But Kind of shifting that that productivity in in mind focus onto to practice leaders. Um, <clears throat> they all have lots of, of stuff in their life, and I'm sure that that clarity is is hard to to do when you're you're running a practice. It's just stressful, right? Mm-hmm. Flat yeah. out, nothing but uh, but but being stressful for lots of practice managers out there, and, and for practicing physicians too. I'm not I'm not leaving them out of the general ball of stress. Um, <clears throat> We've got patients to deal with. God knows we've got all kinds of government regulations, billing frustrations, uh, physician pressure. If you're you're the practice manager, it's a big, big uh, job. And I think you know, most people need uh, need some more support. So all of us could certainly do uh, do better by by doing uh, less and accomplishing more. So uh, hats off here. I think you're you're definitely on the right right trail. Yeah, I think that's one reason coaching is so needed in our industry um, of physician offices in particular part of healthcare. It's it's so well known and used in other environments like corporate environments because it is so effective in helping with clarity and with clarity comes prioritization and comes strategic thinking and all of those things. They really fall as, or, you know, yeah, fall as dominoes after those, the first one of like, aha. Well, and it's interesting. What, what were the examples I gave you about the business person and the harp and then the right. person who realized, oh, I was delegating differently back then. It's like you get clarity. That is a huge first step. So um, I think that uh, it's very needed in physician offices and, uh, and they should follow what many companies have already done. And, you know, this is really big internationally coaching is. In fact, oh. I, I took my coaching training online with a cohort of about 25 or 30 people. And the majority weren't even in the U.S. I had classmates from Canada, Costa Rica, England, Australia, even one from Croatia. So very, very very interesting. Tell, tell me about the type of, of, of training that, that one, one does for, for coaching. Are there, there's certain types of, of training and, in courses and certification or, or what goes into it um, for our listeners out there that want to know um, about their coach's background or what it should be? Well, the certification and the training, it really varies. Um, some coaches haven't taken any training at all, but they may have decades of experience in a particular industry. And along the way, they've managed people, led people, mentored, maybe led a board. So the mm. type of coaching they offer may be you know, really more like mentoring and leadership guidance, which is really good too. And it's just, it's a type of coaching, but it's different than solution focused coaching, Uh, but they may call it coaching. So there are programs out there like the one I took um, from 
Ericsson International. This is where I went. Uh, and that's where you learn techniques and tools for coaching. And honestly, you know, I have an MBA, like I said, and I was in business, but it wasn't until I took the coursework in coaching that I realized how much I didn't know what I didn't know <laughs> about coaching. Uh, so I, I had all this experience in management and in consulting, but until I took the coursework, I, I really didn't understand. So um, once I was in this program is when I realized that this, this is a path I'd been heading down and people sort of told me I should follow it. And, and I, and I, it's really a passion for me. And I think that's true for a lot of coaches. I mean, I truly just want to help people be the best they can be. So that's why I think coaching, I love it so much. Well, and I think that's why you're so good at it. Um, and that generally follows, right? When somebody is passionate about something, then they, they, they do a great, great job. But um, you, you briefly touched upon it, but I'm, I'm not entirely clear. Certifications for, coach, for coaches, are there set certifications or credentials? out there for folks? Yep, there, there are several. The one I'm most familiar with is the International Coach Federation certification, the ICF. And that requires that you've taken coursework and completed a program, um, delivered a certain number of coaching hours, and you've been observed by other coaches uh, for a certain number of hours, you know, like all that. So I think what my understanding is, is that large corporations who hire coaches for their management team typically require that kind of a certification. The ICF, got gotcha. But as far as the folks that we're we're talking with or, or, or for today in in healthcare physician practices, do you see certification as a as a requirement uh, for someone that they would select as a as a coach? Um, well, it's certification is always good. You know, it means you met some sort of standard. But I really don't think it's so required. It's more of a nice to have than a requirement for our industry. And also remember how few people there are actually out there coaching managers and leaders, you know? So right. um, I, I haven't seen it, you know, for those reasons. And I haven't pursued the ICF certification myself. It's certainly a good thing, but I think more important for our listeners is a coach who has an understanding of what their lives are like every day in a practice, because, you know, it's such a unique animal, the physician practice. You've got Physicians coming at you from the top, angry patients every day, the crazy schedule, you've got staff needs, and it's just different than a lot of business environments, whether it's private practice, hospital employed, or academic medical center. So um, the coach understanding the culture of physician practice is really important, I think. Oh, I, I, I agree with you, right? Because the, it, it is to totally different when you're talking about certain service professional world but you've got third-party payers so other people are paying for the it's 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 a unique environment and certainly the most heavily regulated uh of all industries out there so having some familiarity with that would uh, definitely help a coach uh, it work with uh, a practice manager you, you've got my vote there that's yeah sure. and but that said, I do think having some coursework in coaching is important. Remember what I said, like until I took some, I really didn't know what I didn't know. Um, the techniques are so integral to the process and the, the process of questioning and how you do that. So just having managed people or led people is not 
really enough to offer the solution-focused coaching approach. But I also don't think it's ideal if people only have coursework and no experience in their shoes. So ideally, the coach, most practice leaders will be best served by, and, and new managers too, is somebody who has coursework and an understanding of what life is like in a medical office and some business experience. So, and certification, of course, never hurts, but it doesn't need to be the ICF certification. Most coaching programs like Ericsson, where I went, offer it, and I'm actually finishing my certification this summer. Well, well good for you, but this sounds like the best fit's really kind of a, a hybrid. Someone yeah. that, that that has some some experience and is, is good at coaching uh, and really knows or understands the, the details and challenges uh, of the, the culture of the healthcare industry and, and what practice managers uh, face. Um, but clearly they need to have training in, in coaching techniques and, and have experience in business, preferably healthcare as a practice manager themselves would be even the, uh, the best, right? Yeah, that's true. And, and last thing I'll say is all, all that's true, but at the end of the day, it still comes down to trust and fit. So you really have to like and feel comfortable with the coach that you choose. That's really important. And that's why um, most coaches, like this is what I do. If you're interested, we schedule 30 minutes to talk about what are your core issues. And, you know, we kind of get to know each other a little bit and tell you a little bit about coaching. So in, you kind of need to go with your gut on that first conversation with people mm. to see if you feel comfortable with them. That's just critical. Okay, Tothi, we're, we're, we're running close on time here, so I want to finish with uh, some, some nuts and bolts. Earlier, you said that this is typically phone-based uh, service and that you usually meet every other week. I assume you're talking about an hour's worth of time. Is that correct? Yep, that's pretty typical in most cases. The, the session is an hour. Okay, and now the question that everybody out there has been waiting for me to ask how much does it cost? Uh, is this is this like an hourly thing, um, or are you buying? You mentioned at one point uh, a packet. How, mm -hmm. how does this this work? Um, well, let's start with cost, which can really vary widely depending on the level of leader being coached and the coach and the environment you work in and all that. But usually, you're looking at about 150 to 275 dollars per session in business management coaching, which is more than you know, don't think of it as an hourly rate, uh, you know, just the time that you spend with the coach because the coach has some preparation and follow-up. Um, sure. Leadership and executive coaching I've seen is much more. That can start more like $250, $275 and go up to $500 or more. Some of the executive coaches, I, you know, I hear rumblings like, you know, the really famous ones, they're getting like $1,000 an hour or $750 or or not an hour, excuse me, a session. So well, there's a yeah. good gig. Yeah, yeah I know, gig, I know. Right? I aspire to this type of coach, <laughs> right? Um, I could teach, I could do a one session a day, you know, so, um, or every other day for goodness sakes. Uh, and then when it comes to how you buy it, I like people to engage with a package. And I think four, six or eight sessions are good ways of thinking about it because I mean, Will I do one session? Sure. But I, I kind of dissuade people from it because you're not going to see results. I mean, it's just like one session. That's kind of a getting to know you. Even the first two sessions are often getting to know the 
the, the, the depth of the issues that you're dealing with. So you really need to get some momentum going and that requires a few sessions. And then once people, so usually there's like a package rate for four or six or eight. And then once you finish eight, you could buy another package or you can go like monthly. Cause at that point we know each other. Um, and the package costs a little less than those session ranges I gave you per session because you're, purchasing a, a package. And then sometimes coaching comes with other things included, some value adds like, I mean, I include the perception to it's a work style communication assessment profile that they get of themselves. And that's based on the DISC method. And it's super helpful for them as a communicator and a manager. And we use it as part of our sessions. Ooh, I, I, I bet so. Now, it occurs to me this is really beneficial for the practice. So is the practice paying for this? Is the, the individual paying for it, him or herself? Who, uh, who cuts the check? Well, what's referred to often as corporate coaching, even though you know so many practices out there are smaller, they wouldn't consider themselves corporate, but it just is, means it's the type of model where the employer is paying for the coaching. And so, yes, in my case, it's typically the practice that pays. Um, and, and uh, it's sometimes the, an individual pays, but it's usually the practice. And it can be part of a manage, manager's compensation package to include the coaching. Um, or maybe it's just, uh, you know, the, coach the physician decides that his or her manager could benefit because there's been a big change or a shift or they're struggling in some area and they want, um, they want to offer that to the, to the administrator or manager. Well, this has been, this has been really helpful, Tothi. Thank you much because I, I admit that I didn't fully understand um, the the benefits and the in the way coaching worked for practice managers. So, so thank you. I think you've edu you certainly educated me, and uh, I'm sure our listeners as well. Glad I could help. I really enjoyed the conversation. I love talking about this, and I hope I've given some clarity. Isn't that's been a theme, right, uh, for people <laughs> about coaching? And in the show notes, um, I'm. I've included a curated list of a few books and TED talks that I like sort of as a self help self coaching resource for managers that are looking for some development resources and, uh, and a description of what coaching is. Oh, Hey, that, that's super. Lists like that are always, uh, that always very helpful. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we've come to the end of this episode of sound practice. Thank you all for listening. If you've liked our show, please tell your colleagues, and we'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcast or Google Play. Bada bing, bada boom. Bada bing, bada boom. You've been listening to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and practice leaders. Check out the show notes for this episode at soundpracticepodcast.com. If you have any suggestions about future episodes, we'd love to hear them. Email us at info at soundpracticepodcast.com. Subscribe to Sound Practice wherever you listen to podcasts. Sound Practice is presented and produced by the team at Green Branch Publishing. For the best in practice management, journals, books, newsletters, and on-demand programming for physicians and practice executives, visit greenbranch.com. Robin. Rick Kapow.